couple of sets of text uh, in that chapter in just a minute. And by way of um, remembrance, we actually began um, a, well, we're calling it a series on life together. Um, and, I mean, look around you. I mean, you know, don't be bashful. Just turn around and go, oh, look at there. There's old so-and-so. We share a common life. And it's really that commonality, that common life that we're, that we're wanting to access as we uh, sort of go through our uh, time together here. Um, but by way of sort of beginning that, um, if you have not picked up your directory, you can do so uh, after this service. And if you've not uh, had your picture made and therefore you're not in it and would still like to get one, you can call Vicki in our main office this week and uh, make arrangements um, with her uh, to get one should that be your need. Now, the reason I mentioned that is not only to give you that information, but on the front of it, you'll see our vision and our mission. And it's a, a real simple one, and that is uh, loving God. It's novel, isn't it? God's called us to love Him. Uh, and loving others, uh, likewise, not very novel. Um, and then thirdly, impacting the world. I mean, that's really what God calls His church to do to love him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and their neighbor as themselves, loving other people, and then having impact where, wherever you are. And that's really uh, what I want to access here with you uh, this morning um, by way of just kind of beginning here. But I want to look, first of all, at uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, and I want to begin reading at verse 4. And I'll read a couple verses there, and then I'll skip a few, and then go back to verse 9 and read a couple there. Let me just read those uh, to you here this morning. Uh, Coming to him, uh, that is Jesus, as a living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones are being built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, in order to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus. And then verse 9, another very familiar text, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now who have obtained mercy. I read that slowly to us because familiar texts have the way of eluding us in terms of their real meaning because of their familiarity. What you find contained in those couple of texts are some important realities about who we are in terms of our identity and then secondly, uh, what we're to do, the reason why we have that identity, or to say it another way, our purpose for existing. Uh, so 
Um, as we begin to think about our identity, we've talked a lot about I've talked a lot about that because I'm convinced most Christians don't know who they are. They know they're saved. They understand something about Jesus, the Savior, His blood, being born again. But they don't understand uh, how, that, how those theological realities really impact our identity in terms of who we are. Um, and then secondly, when we don't understand who we are, we don't understand our purpose uh, for existing. These scriptures contain a number of elements about identity. You are living stones. Uh, you are a holy priesthood. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And the purpose then for being so is that you might proclaim uh, the praises of him who called you out of deadness and darkness into his marvelous light. And contained in in uh, those texts is sort of a full-orbed understanding of who we are and what we're to be about in the world. Uh, so, um, having said that and looked at the Scripture, um, I went back and began to think about the early beginnings of the church. Because we're going to talk about church today. Um, what is it, the church? Uh, but in the first century, uh, the coming of Jesus, his crucifixion, the day of Pentecost, Peter preaching the sermon, 3,000 people came to Christ. And it would appear that over the next uh, century, in, let's say, in round figures, that early church uh, grew to probably somewhere between uh, estimates are, are 30 to 50,000 people in the first hundred years. And then along about that time, the Holy Spirit, as he often does, he's called alongside, he's the teacher, he has much more to tell us than we've yet understood. The Holy Spirit began to show the church something um, about who they were, and there were three concepts that were brought by revelation to the hearts of the church, and uh, it, these concepts began to so propel the church that it accelerated and the only way I can sort of envision it is as if you're sitting on the runway in, a, in a, some sort of a jet, you know, a small jet, big jet, doesn't matter, and where you put the thrusters down, you know, pedal to the metal, we might say, and all of a sudden, afterburners, and, and something began to happen so that the church accelerated uh, and began to grow exponentially. And these three words, the first one was uh, believe. And, um, uh, of course... Many of us understand believe, and uh, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And the early church got that. They understood something about their identity. But the, the next word uh, was behave. And uh, when you begin to recognize that when you are called to believe a certain way, um, when you're born of the Spirit, when God gives you a new nature and you believe Him, that that actually uh, has a transformational effect in a person's heart and life so that not only can you do you just believe but now you begin to behave differently hello just wanted to see if anybody's awake uh, now not only was it be they believed a certain way and they began to behave a certain way uh, but the third thing that the Spirit of God began to show people uh, in that, that latter part of the first century into the second century was it, it was, wasn't good enough just to believe and even to obey or 
or uh, obey, which equals if a certain way, but it's because we actually belong to each other. Uh, so that this full orbness of believing and behaving and belonging began to do something within the church. It was the energizing of the Spirit of God by which things began to move incredibly so that the early church uh, went from a, a few thousand, 30 to 40, 50,000, and just began to accelerate into the, the, the millions of people around the world. Now, I would suggest to you that that is still um, uh, pretty much what God wants to do in terms of His church. Because there are uh, many... See, God's begun to reinforce, reinvigorate, reinstill the notion in people's lives that believing is absolutely central. But it's not enough to just believe. Now, the reason why I believe this is so important for us in this day is that there are many people at large that have formerly been part of the church, the visible expression of Jesus um, around the world, the ecclesia, those who, the company of the redeemed, that they believe and they will be in heaven uh, but their belief, because of something in their lives, they have presumed that believing was enough and behaving isn't important and belonging isn't necessary. And you know people, and you can call them by name, and so can I, and I won't, that have been part of this church and are no longer part, and they are presuming that believing is sufficient. And I would suggest to you that that will always keep the church in a, an anemic form. And in fact, God is wanting to release us into bigger and better. So here's the question that I want to ask us this morning and then answer it in four different ways. Uh, why, should, uh, why should we make a huge commitment to be part of the church when it gathers? Just a question. And many people have said, I don't need to be a part of the church. I don't need to belong. I don't need to behave. It's okay just to believe. And in fact, uh, it's not. Because Jesus uh, looks at the church and sees it very differently than you and I do. Now, therefore, why should I make a commitment to be part of the visible expression? I'm not saying be a part of this visible expression necessarily although I hope you will be, uh, but be a part of a visible expression of the body of Christ, the church somewhere, uh, because the first reason is the local church is a strategic part of God's plan for your spiritual life and growth. In other words, you might not like me. A lot of people don't like me, I suspect. <laughs> um, you might not like the way we do something here. You might not like these lights. You might not like the color. You know, we might not like the worship. We might not like lots of things. And if we were honest, most of us could raise our hands and say, if I could change something, this is what I would change. Come on. Say, somebody say yes. Amen. I would. I know it. It's out there. But see, the fact of the matter is, that does not constitute the church. The church is a strategic part of the plan for our spiritual growth, but it has um, 
swirled downward in our understanding of what she, the church, is, that it becomes all about me and my needs getting met. Jesus said, no, that's not what the church is. In fact, let me tag Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. This is the place uh, called Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus came to Peter and said, um, who do men say that I am? And, uh, you know, Peter said, well, some say this, some say that, some say this. And God said, no, 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 no. Who do you say that I am? You see, because what you believe will ultimately determine how you behave and if you belong. So Jesus then said, who do you say that I am? And it was the revelation that God the Father, by the Spirit of Jesus, gave to Peter, by which Peter could say, um, uh, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, on this rock on the declaration of the reality of the revelation you've gotten in your heart, on that bedrock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So what does all of that translate into? The church at the bottom line, at the bedrock, if you will, level, uh, is, is uh, Jesus' church. I will build my church. Aren't you glad Jesus said, I'll build my church? And that means that he doesn't build it into my image of what the church should be. He doesn't build it into your image of what the church should be. He's building his church, and in reality, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You see, um, the church is Jesus' idea. Aren't you glad that the church is Jesus' idea? The church in all of its varied forms in all of its styles and wild expressions in this town, in this uh, state, in this uh, nation, and even around this globe. If you've traveled outside of the United States and visited the church anywhere, uh, it's amazing. It's made up of people of all color and all ages and all backgrounds and all kinds of weird and kooky and crazy expressions but you know what when they believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God Jesus said that's where my church is going to be founded and understanding who he is Peter thou art the Christ the son of the living God um, understanding that Peter will then begin to ultimately shift you from not just believing but behaving a certain way not everybody walking lockstep. That's not what I'm talking about. But it will mean that there will be certain things that the Spirit of God will lead you not to just believe, but ultimately how you behave because you belong. Now, Jesus said something in John 17 that I believe He's going to answer. And Jesus prayed to the Father that we would become one. One. Though many expressions, hearts would be so transformed that it wouldn't matter about who jumps around up front or who does this over there. It would be about a church who, who understands the revelation of who Jesus is and who are recognizing fully uh, that He's the head, He's the Lord of the church, and not ourselves. So the church then is a, a strategic part of God's plan for your spiritual growth. That's number one. Why should I be a part of this church or any church? It's because Jesus said He would build His church, and the church is Jesus' idea, it's not our idea. 
it uh, seems that um, it's not our plan, it's his plan. Now, uh, there's a lot yet to be discovered. I suspect that we could pass a sheet and say, fill out the sheet what you would change about the church. This church, that church, any church. And we could fill out a big, long, long list. And what I want to say there is that the church, by definition, is those who have been called, kaleo is a Greek word, to call and out, ek, ek kaleo, ekklesia, those who are called by God out of something, out of their deadness. Ephesians chapter 2, out of their, um, their blindness, uh, out of their darkness, 1 Peter chapter 2. People who have been called by the Spirit of God out and into something to begin to live a common life, to behave together in such a way that there's honor and that there's love and that there's, there's grace and there's giving because we belong to each other. So, Jesus said, I'll build my church. Here's two metaphors I'll end that little section with, and that is, we are living stones. That's what Peter says. We're living stones. Come to him, the stone that was rejected, and you are now living stones um, being built up into a spiritual house. Uh, Now, if you think of living stones, you think about uh, and how stones are used in construction. They're paving stones. They're building stones. I picture a wall. Uh, You know, a brick wall. I wish we had a brick wall we could point to. Ours is um, uh, sheetrocked over so we can't see the brick. But you could picture a square block, a couple above it, a couple under it, a couple next door to it. And you have these stones that are assembled into a wall. Now, that's the image that Peter uses here to say you are living stones. And that means that you have a specific vital function. Think of that wall. You can see it in your mind's eye. And now take one of those rectangular stones, blocks, out. Just remove it and throw it aside. And now picture that wall. And what do you have? A hole in the wall. That's what Peter's saying here. Now, take out a couple more blocks over here and, and, and cast them away because, you, you know, we, that, we don't like this, this person or we don't like that person. Or you, uh, let's, let's remove a few stones uh, because, let's see if I have an offense here. Oh, yeah, here's an offense. We'll call this pen my offense. When I pick up an offense and take it unto myself, when somebody hacks me off, you know what I'm saying? You know what that means, right? When I get mad, when my feelings get hurt, when I get offended, when I pick up an offense, and what's the first thing you should know about offenses? Don't pick them up. They hurt you. They hurt people. And not only does it hurt people and hurt us, but what can happen is that I remove myself out of the wall because I have an offense. And an old so-and-so hurt my feelings. Or they don't do this like I like them to. Or I wish they'd change that. Or I wish they'd... I would, it doesn't matter. When you pick up an offense, you can remove yourself out of the wall and you have thereby just created a vacuum and a hole that nobody can fill but yourself. That's what Peter's saying. 
So you know people that have left, whether they've picked up offenses or they don't like this or that, doesn't really matter. If we're not careful, we can create, instead of a living temple, where we are living stones, where we have vital function, that you know nobody can fill your slot but you? Hello? Do y'all believe that? Well, then just humor me. Some of you don't believe that. I understand that. Because we live in a culture where independence uh, and um, isolation are high values in our lives. And if we don't get it done our way, well, I just take my ball and go elsewhere. No, let's stay with the metaphor. I'll take my block and go elsewhere. I'll just take my block and go home. I'll just... And Jesus said, look, if you, under, if you believe accurately, you will behave uh, accurately and, because you belong definitely. So we don't get to uh, take... You can go to another church. That's okay. That's not what I'm saying. But you better go to another one because you belong. That's because Jesus said, I'll build my church. It's His idea. It's not your idea. It's not my idea. We're the ecclesia. We're called out the company of the redeemed. We are His living body. We are His living... He is the living head. To shift the metaphors in Ephesians, uh, He is the head of the body, and that makes us a living cell. Try taking your cells out of the body and see what happens. You see what I'm saying? In other words, it's vital that we understand... If we have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, He will dictate how we live our lives together. We don't get to dictate that anymore. And that is the central problem of the church in America. That's the central problem of the church in America. We believe that somehow we can dictate what she will look like and how she should function and what she should do. No, brothers and sisters, trust the Word of God. Jesus said, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And what we need to do then as living stones is to believe accurately in order that we behave appropriately because we belong intimately one to another. Therefore, the question, why should I make a huge commitment to be part of the visible church upon the earth? Well, the church is Jesus' idea. And it's uh, the chief strategic means by which I can grow as an individual. Secondly... Um, you are basically the composition of the five people with whom you spend the most time. That's number two. If I were doing an overhead, which I didn't, if you're taking notes, number two, you are the composition of the five people you spend the most time with. Now, when I was young, grr, um, I've, done, I've done a lot of foolish things. I mean, I was younger yesterday, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but... but, but but when we were younger, in our teens, didn't we do lots of foolish things? Anybody in here can raise their hand on and say, I never did anything foolish. Yeah. <laughs> now, we all do stupid things. We do foolish things. And why? Because in a lot of the cases, we're simply influenced by the people that we hang with. I mean, I could tell you stories, and I know you could tell me stories. So we won't go any further, but we are basically the composite of the five most important people that we spend uh, time with. Uh, now, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13 says, Therefore, 
Because you still and I still have the capacity to do foolish things. And did you know I still have the capacity to be influenced by other people? Do you know that about yourself? So if I am being influenced by the five people closest to me, I need to be real careful who those people are that I'm giving my ear to. You see, so because in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 it says, uh, be careful and encourage one another daily. Now why is it important that you understand you're a living stone to believe properly, to behave because you belong, and that you fit, and that you have vital function in the wall? It's because something's going to be influencing you. And therefore, uh, you need to be uh, involved in the visible church because uh, that's a way we can encourage one another daily. Hebrews 3, as long as it's called today. Don't wait till tomorrow. If God speaks to your heart and says, I want you to encourage so-and-so, call them up. Knock on their door. God wants to encourage some people today, not tomorrow. Today so that none of you will, may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now all that means is that we all have a, a natural uh, sin nature that is still part of us. Even though I've been given a new nature, I still have the capacity to do foolish things. That's all it means. And therefore, be involved with people who can be mature uh, individuals who can encourage you and whom you can uh, encourage. You see, we need support of other people. Uh, we need to be encouraging uh, uh, others and being encouraged by them, strong believers who are influential around us. We need to mentor others. We need to have peer mentoring. I am a brick. I am a stone. I sit together with other stones on top of me, under me, around me, and that's for a reason. I need to be... Who are the people in your life, really? Who are, influence, who are influential or influencing you in a positive, spiritual way. Now, the reason why uh, that is so important is, number three, we need the voice of the Spirit of God uh, through the Word and through the church, His people, um, because of all of the counterfeit and deception it's crammed down your throat every day in which you live. Now, Colossians 2.8 says this, Beware lest anybody cheat you. And what that word means is actually a, a taking, um, to take you captive or plunder something that's yours. So the Scripture here in Colossians, Paul says, Don't let anybody cheat you or, or uh, take you captive or plunder what you have through vain philosophy or empty deceit according to the traditions of men. And the traditions of men there simply means they're teaching. And all that is to say that we, we're the composite of five people who are influencing us and if we are not decisive and uh, purposeful in who influences us, there are lots of influences out there that will influence you. Have you ever noticed the new walk on people? like this in other words we are so tethered to the internet that's all I'm saying you see what is influencing us what is one of the most highly influential ways in which people are being uh, taken captive according to the traditions of men where you spend your time with influential people or on doing the bob walk, you know, bobbing your head like a chicken. 
watching you know the internet. I do it. I'm not being you know. I, I do that, but the the internet is one of those ways. How about news media? Another thing that influences us, according to the traditions of of men, Hollywood and the movies that are made, the music that we listen to, coworkers that we work with, uh, friends and family members, uh, people who are gossiping around. In other words, there's a landslide of contradictory information and deception that is crammed down your throat every day. Therefore, we need the voice of the Spirit of God from His Word and through the voice of the church, the people who are around us in the wall. That's what I'm saying. Because if we don't purposefully have that kind of interaction as iron sharpens iron, we're going to be led astray by the philosophies of men and the traditions that, that, that will take us captive or pull us uh, into difficult places. So that why should I be involved in any local church? Number one, it's Jesus' plan. It's his strategy. Number two, I'm going to be influenced by five people around me. I better choose the people that are influencing me. And number three, I need the voice of the Spirit through his word and through God's people in order to uh, uh, throw off the counterfeit and the deception that's, that's everywhere. And then finally, number four, the ministry, uh, ministry in and through the church will help build your spiritual muscles. Now, this is where I want to end, but I want to read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Many of you know it, and it says um, that, you, that we are to equip the saints uh, for their work of ministry. Now, did you know the Bible calls you saints? It doesn't call you sinners. We have the capacity of being stupid, but the Bible doesn't call you sinners. The Bible calls you saints. And we are to equip one another, the saints, for their work of ministry. That means for their vital function in, in life uh, right now. For the edifying, that means building up or encouraging of the body of Christ till we all come to unity because we belong to each other. Unity of the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God to a, a uh, perfect teleos, mature man, new man in Christ, um, uh, till we become to the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. In other words, every person, can you say the word every? Did I, did I exclude anybody? Every person should be being equipped by Jesus, pastors, teachers, evangelists, etc., equipping us and one another for something which is vital function, the work of ministry. Um, that's really, and when that happens, we're equipped basically to serve. Just a little aside here, you know, we have a whole lot of people whether they would um, prayerfully consider being deacons. And a whole lot of people said, mm -mm, not me. Why? I thought when you signed up to believe that that dictated a certain amount of how you would behave. We're called to serve. Jesus laid down his life because we belong. You see what I'm saying? We've asked a lot of people to be elders. And they, oh, I can't do that. I'm, why can't you? You belong in the wall. You're a living stone. You're a living cell. Jesus is the head. You are no less important than I am or no more important than I am. You see, you have vital function without which 
the church, the spiritual temple, will become anemic and will lose its direction in the century in which we live. And God is calling people right now to understand their identity, who they are, and the purpose for existing. When you said, yes, I believe in Jesus, you also said, yes, I'm going to live my life a certain way. I don't get to play with pornography anymore. Well, that's only one example. You don't get to sleep around with your girlfriend anymore. Why? God said that isn't a good thing to do. And so when you believe, you begin to behave and recognize that you belong. Now, that's just one couple of examples, but we are uh, the body of Christ. Uh, so, um, living stones or living cells, let me land sort of the plane here and simply give you a couple of so what's. What should I do? Because I suspect some of you are sitting here um, going, hmm, I'm not, fun- I'm not functioning in a vital way. Me- meaning I'm not, I'm not serving and, and giving or, or doing. Now remember, first you believe, then you behave. So you get to believe straight. Uh, but you're saying, I don't, I don't know. I, wanted, I, want, I only, you know, you might have just a few years left. You might only have one day left. Truth be known, nobody, we only have today. That's why the scripture says, today if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. You're not promised tomorrow. Maybe I'll make tomorrow, but maybe I won't. Therefore, what should I do? Uh, Well, here's a couple of things. The first thing you can do is that you can pray and ask God. That's a novel idea, isn't it? Ask God. We have not because we ask not. So I would say pray and ask God what and how. What does he want to do with me And how does he want to do it? And linger there for a while. Don't ask him once and walk away and forget, but continue to lay that. God, what do you want me, how do you want me to spend my time, spend my life in light of belonging to you? How do you want me to give and serve? And, and, you know, Jim came up to me at, at the second service, after the first service, I should say, and he said, you know, another thing you can do is if you don't know, ask somebody. Now, that's going to put you on to what they think is you should be doing, but that's a good thing to do. If you don't know, ask. Say, hey, what needs to be done? I want to do something. But more importantly than that, getting their perspective on what you should do, ask the Holy Spirit because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. If he's the head of the living body of which we are a cell connected with one another, then we could ask Jesus, what do you want me to be about? Friday, I was praying. Y'all know I'm, I'm leading, I'm teaching a class that begins this next uh, Sunday, the, the 7th. And it's on nutritional stuff because it's stuff that I have I've learned because I'm dealing with um, a serious um, physical issues. And there have been major changes in my life. And I've stumbled into, literally stumbled into something that's saving my life. And uh, I was praying and asking the Lord about it. And I was thinking, you know, should I get this in the paper? Because there are a lot of people I know and run into that are also struggling with coronary artery disease. And they're not being told what they can do to stop it, to reverse it, to halt it. And as I was praying, the Lord said, no, no. Um, what I want you to do is to teach this class, but I want you to do it one time. Because I'm going to take you out into the community and we're going to do it out there for a whole lot of people. I said, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that doesn't mean I'm going to quit here and go do that. It, it means that God wants each one of us to be asking him what and how. 
for this time in which we live. And secondly, after you ask what and how, then ask him uh, who. Who are the people? Who's the team? A team of people. You know, somebody came to us um, a week or so ago, and uh, they, they, they did to our session, gave to our session an amazing uh, presentation, well thought out um, and respectful, and uh, j- just laid it down on the table and said, you know what, I really believe that uh, we need a ministry to single people. And we all sat there and we listened to the presentation and the way in which it was shared and we all got up and we said absolutely there's 50% of the people out there in the population that aren't married and yet we overlook them we don't mean to it's just we're stupid sometimes we're foolish you know what I'm saying we just see things from our perspective until someone that's the point goes hey I think and we all sit there and go oh yeah where you been all these years? We needed it ten years ago. Not to, you know. The point is that you're sitting on stuff that is vital to the functioning of the living tabernacle that God is building. And if you don't function, there will be a hole and a gap in the wall. We must have people who take their identity seriously and their purpose uh, seriously as well. You are not insignificant. That is a lie from the pit of hell that some of you deeply embrace and you think that you can't do very much because how would, why would God want to use me? Let me let you in on a little secret. Me, meaning us, meaning you, is all He has. If not you, then whom? It's not now. When? God's going to put ministries in your hearts. And if you understand your identity and your purpose, you're simply going to go, God, I'm praying and I'm asking you. I think you put this in my heart. And the next question is pray and ask who? Who are the people that God wants to bring around me as a team? You can't do this alone. This isn't Lone Ranger stuff i got to do this myself. No, you don't. God doesn't want you to do it yourself. He wants to have it in the church and then a church that goes out. And then thirdly, with God, all things are possible. I know this is stretching. That's why I'm taking some pauses here. Every one of you can ask God, what? And every one of you can ask God, How? And every one of you can ask God with whom you want me to do this. Because I believe, I want to behave because I belong. And then finally, we become kingdom influencers by virtue of having relationship with Him and with others and influence in the world in which we live. Relationships serving the greater needs. You know, Christians in the early centuries began to get a hold of if I believe and then I behave because I belong, they recognized that there was nothing they could not do. And they began to, to, to build for, um, orphanages. They began to build hospitals. They began uh, to build all kinds of service organizations because the church understood to believe is to behave is to belong. And together, there's nothing that we can't do by the Spirit of Jesus. Hello? 
I believe the Spirit of God is speaking to many of you today that it's time to ask, it's time to act, it's time to recognize that you belong, and if you pull back, you're simply going to negate yourself. I'll close with an illustration. I'm no longer a carnivore, but I know how wolves react. I've never been a wolf, but... And if a wolf wants to take out a sheep, which one does he go for? The slowest one, maybe the sickest one, the one that's lagging behind, the one who has isolated him or herself from the larger group. Beloved, the enemy is like a roaring lion. Tie yourself in, recognize he's the one who builds the church. Something's going to influence you. You need mature influencers in your life in the church and people need to be encouraged by you not just you be encouraged by them so let's stand and let's pray and uh, I believe that Holy Spirit is going to um, give some of you some new things if you are willing to ask him uh, in the days to come so I just want to pray for you as maybe our worship team comes back and we close in a a song here father I just thank you for uh, giving us these few minutes to be together Lord, it's always good to be um, connected with the visible uh, church of Jesus Christ, um, in fact, in every generation. But, Lord, this is our generation. Thank you that you've connected us. Thank you that we belong. Thank you, God, for the goodness of the gospel by which we are acceptable to you just the way we are. Lord, it's because of the finished work of the cross. Nothing that we do, but when we believe that, God, it creates a change in our behavior. So speak to our hearts in the days to come and show us uh, what you would have us to do as the body of Christ here in this place. And God, we'll be careful to give you alone the praise in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask our ministry team, any of our elders and spouses and uh, staff members to come, and we just want to make ourselves available if you would like special prayer before you slip out. And if you're here and you go, I've never crossed the T. Or dotted the I about Jesus. I've never given my life to Jesus. This would be an awesome opportunity for you to do that. Just come up here and we'll pray for you. Open, Throw the door of your heart open to Jesus. And say, Jesus, would you come in and begin to lead me like this, this, uh, this preacher is telling me I can be led. Father, would you fill your people now with your love? Would you encourage them by your Spirit? God, would you help them to uh, draw near unto you with the promise that as they do that, you always draw near unto us. Lord, would you connect us one with another, that we would genuinely and deeply be one, as Jesus prayed, that we would be one, as you, Father, are one with him and he with you. Thank you that you live your life in us. Thank you that you live your life and desire to do so through us. Bless your people today and encourage them. And everybody said together, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. If you want to come to the the, uh, Next Steps luncheon, that happens immediately. If you'd like special prayer, please come. We'd love to pray with you. Hug on somebody as you leave. Share the love of Jesus with somebody who might need your encouragement.